This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Well, hello and welcome back to our podcast. How are you doing, Ella? I'm doing all right. Good. We are here, I believe, on our 13th episode. This um, is our 13th episode. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, we ran into some technical issues today, which is funny because Mercury is supposed to be out of the microwave or whatever that's called. And uh, yeah, that's shit's what they say. still broken. Shit's still broken. <laughs> shit is still messing up. And very frustrating. But we <laughs> pulled it off. Um, we have rigged this in a way that is hopefully going to work today. So here we are. Yeah, we're real close. We're snuggling and we're using one microphone. So, yep. so hopefully it sounds <laughs> hopefully it sounds okay. And we're going to go from there. So we are very lucky today to have Lydia with us. She is going to talk to us about her mother. And I think this is our first mother-daughter story. And I know that a lot of people struggle with narcissist parents and um, it can be so detrimental, especially dealing with that level of narcissist when you are in your formative years. So Lydia is going to tell us her story today and how she's kind of come out the other side of it. And we're very grateful to her. So Lydia, thank you so much for being willing to do this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, with that, we will say, uh, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am 41. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio, very conservative Pentecostal home. You know, the Holy Rollers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom wore the bun until the day she died. The, the, the blouse was all the way up to your collarbone. I was forced to wear the skirt. We did not wear pants. The kids made fun of us in school because we had to wear culottes for gym. Wow. I mean, they, they, we stood out. Uh, my hair was down to my butt. And the teachers had to put a paper towel down at my seat so my hair would not get dirty. I mean, we stood out. Wow. In the very beginning, my mom met my father in the church in 1980. And my father had two boys from a previous marriage. And my mother had my sister from a previous relationship. And my father had some mental issues of his own and to start things out they were a little rocky between the two of them my father came to my mother and said hey you know carol i'm i'm not feeling well i feel like i need to go to the hospital i need you to watch the boys for me i'm feeling you know very mental my dad was a did but back then it was multiple personality disorders okay this is back in the 80s early 80s my, my father has an altar his altar is not a very nice person i you know and so my mother basically told him she said well go kill yourself oh my god my mom took my sister to the state fair and left my dad and the boys at the house while my dad was in a psychotic state. Oh, wow. My father checked himself into the mental hospital, and my mom dropped the boys off, who at the time were four and five, and he had to hide the boys in the hospital 
for 24 hours before the nurses found them. Mm. That's that's who my mom was. So your mom had an extreme lack of empathy for as long as you can remember. Oh, absolutely. And then I came along. And you are their child together. I was their only child together. Okay. My dad finally had enough of my mom when I was two. And he took his boys and he left. And growing up, my mom told me, you know, my dad didn't want anything to do with me. Why would you tell a child that? That that's who my mom was. And I was led to believe, you know, that he wanted nothing to do with me and that the boys didn't want anything to do with me. I had never met the boys. You know, I was a baby. Right. I, I would have never gotten to know them. I mean, they knew me, but I never got to know them. And so then... It was my sister and I growing up. My mom favored my sister, and it was no secret whatsoever that my sister was favored. My grandmother, which was my mother's mother, absolutely adored my sister. It was no secret that I was not wanted by my grandmother because of my father, because you know of his mental illness. I was not. I was not wanted. I was not welcomed. I, I remember being. A little girl, we were living in low-income housing, and my mom, one day, she was being really mean to me. And I remember telling my sister that I was going to run away. I was about four or five. I said, I'm going to run away. I was making a list. Little itty-bitty me was scribbling on this piece of paper as best as I could, the things I was going to take with me. And my sister told me, she says, when I get old enough and I can drive, we're going to go away. And that always stuck with me. Well, then my mom took on a job at a nursing home as an LPN with the elderly. So her best friend, who I would know as my aunt, would babysit me. I think the youngest memory I have, I was four, maybe three, was her husband touching me inappropriately. And I would tell my mom, you know, he's hurting me. And my mom would just kind of like brush it off. Nobody's bothering you. You know, you're fine. You'll have to go over there. You know, nobody's bothering you. You're fine. And I'd be like, mom, he's hurting me. And she'd be like, oh, stop. Well, this would go on until I was a teenager. I'm just going to jump in right there. And a side note of like, it's so important to give kids language for abuse like that, like age appropriate. But when they're very little, like teaching your kids the correct names of their body parts is so important because if they are in a situation like that and they don't have the language to be able to tell you exactly what's happening, you may misinterpret it. I don't think your mom is misinterpreting. I think she's just not paying attention. <laughs> but for other for other people that do care, could miss it if their child doesn't have the, the ability to explain it. So I remember always telling mine when they were little, like in the bath, like talking about their body parts and good touches and bad touches and yeah. making it open dialogue so like who's allowed to give you baths and those types of things so they're free to come to you if something like that happens it's it's very important for kids so I just wanted to jump in there and say that yeah absolutely and so then when I was I'd say I was probably prepubescent it became more physical abuse versus sexual abuse because then you know I I, I knew the word right mm-hmm. I remember one day he had come into the bedroom and I had ran away I had hid in the different part of the house and my aunt had come looking for me and they were very upset and they I remember them saying when I find her she's in so much trouble and when he found me he beat me until I was black and purple and he beat me with a belt mm-hmm. I remember I got home that next morning because they would keep me overnight my mom i showed my mom and my mom said well you probably did something you weren't supposed to oh my god what 
and there was no well, what happened, what led up to it. That's horrific. I'm so sorry. So I would run away. My mom had to leave work at six, uh, leave the house at six o'clock. So five thirty, I would leave the house, and I wouldn't go far. I'd go to the neighbors. I'd go anywhere, so I didn't have to go to their house. Right. Yeah. And my mom ended up pressing charges on me for being an unruly teenager. Oh my god. If your child is terrified to go to someone's house, even if they haven't told you that anything inappropriate has happened, there's a reason. Like if they are running away to avoid seeing some adult, I can't imagine as a mother not wondering why that is. I could never send my child somewhere that they were that adamant about not going. You know, like something is wrong there. Oh, absolutely. Something very, yeah. And then my mom would make comments about my body and she'd be like, I, I, I was always knees and elbows. I was always really skinny. And my mom be like, look at that shelf you're growing behind you. And, you know, just making nasty comments. When I was 18, no, 17, I ended up getting pregnant with my oldest son. And in order to please my mom, because, you know, it was the right thing to do, I married that boy. So that way, you know, I wouldn't upset my mom. I was a senior in high school. I had no business being married. Right. No. Not at 18 years old. No, nobody Definitely does. Not. And so I thought if I married him, he could save me from my mom. Mm. My mom could no longer tell me what to do, what to say, where to go, when to go. And when my son came along, my mom basically took over my son and would undermine me. And that's when everything really got out of control. My mom would make nasty comments about, well, you're not doing it right, or come come to Mamma. Mommy's just being mean to you. Ooh. My mom <sighs> sorry. No, it's no. okay. It's hard to talk about. I remember I would get on to my, my oldest son and you know, I would I would try and, you know, pop his hand. You know, he would he would be a, an infant getting into things and my and my mom would be like, Don't do that. You you can't you can't get on to him and I'd be like, Well, how's he gonna learn? And my mom would basically take him from me and be like, You can't do that. My mom would claim him on her taxes because I lived there and she would be like, Well, I gave you a place to stay. So because I lived with her, she claimed him on my ta on her taxes. It's like, way to help out your kid. Yeah. And she would be like, well, I took care of you. And so then when my second son came along, she completely ignored my second son. And it was all about my first son. It was always, how so-and-so? How's he doing? He can come to Mamaw's house. You know, that's Mamaw's baby. It was never... You know, how, how's the second one? How, how are the boys? How, how are you? He can come to Mamaw's house. That's Mamaw's baby. What does Mamaw's baby need? You know, and it was never, what do the boys need? Let the boys come to Mamaw's house. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, you're doing this wrong. You know, don't listen to that mean old mommy. Mommy doesn't know what she's doing. Ooh. So then I always felt like I wasn't doing it right. Right. Because she's been beating you down your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she she was the only way to do the, the right thing. Like, my mom even named my children. What? Yes. I didn't even have the option of naming my own children. Oh, wow. My mom had that much control over everything. Wow. And if I would go to my mom and tell my mom the things that my husband was doing, it was, well, what did you do? Why, what could you do to be a better wife? Mm -mm. I'm sorry. What do you mean? 
So I'm assuming your your first husband was an abuser as well. Oh, absolutely. He was just like her. And the affairs, I mean, he would sleep with everything that would stand still. We were, we were kids, right. you know, but I, but I saw him as freedom. He had a car, he had a job, and I thought, okay, freedom, I'm out of here. But we couldn't get out of there because my mom convinced him, live here with me. I'll take care of you guys. Mm-hmm. But we were constantly under thumb. Right. It was, I'll take care of you. Let me take care of the baby. You know, that's mamaw's baby. But it didn't come without a price. Oh, absolutely not. I remember I was 19 years old and I got my ears pierced and I was married and had a baby. And my mom called me a Jezebel Oh my God. in front of everybody. That's terrible. I was mortified. And I was like, what, what, what is a Jezebel? Right. What is a Jezebel? <laughs> <laughs> a trashy woman. I know, but like, really, is, that's not even a thing. It's not even real. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a trashy woman. Because I'd pierced my ears. Right. Right. And so my sister left when she was 18 to get away from my mom. My sister was 16 years old and was babysitting me one night. And mom had told her to wash the dishes before she had gotten home from work. And my sister washed the dishes that morning before mom got home from work instead of that night. And when my mom came home, my mom beat my sister. If my mom had a bad night at work, my mom would come in and scream my last name just at the top of her lungs. And I knew it was going to be a bad day. It's terrible. And I'd be this little girl. And, I, and I'm only five foot tall as an adult. So I was always a really little girl. And my mom was about 5'4 four and 400 pounds. My mom was a big woman. When my mom would beat us, it was with whatever was within hand's reach. It was a fly swatter. It was the baseboards. If she was redoing the house, it was plastic hangers. It was anything. I remember in seventh grade, I had fallen down the stairs. Do you remember moon shoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horrible invention. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I had fallen down the stairs and scraped my cheek on the concrete. And the guidance counselor had asked, you know, did your mom do that? Because they, they kind of had suspicion of, you know, my mom. Right. And my mother went to him and told him, so help me God, if you ever accuse me of anything again, I'll go to the board of ed and tell them that you touched my daughter. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. What? I mean, my mom was a very vindictive person. Yeah. Don't you dare accuse her of anything my mom, I mean, it was, it, it was bad. To my mom's friends, my mom was the sweetest punch. She was, she was a nurse. She was the best woman ever. But behind closed doors, she was hateful. It's like even more insidious to me. Like cause people have mental illness and they have reasons for behavior. But it's like when you know someone can control it, when you see them control it mm-hmm. in some situations and then absolutely choose not to in others, it's even worse worse because you can't even talk yourself into this is meant and obviously she's mentally ill but like you can't even talk yourself into a piece of it being okay because of that when you like see that they could control it if they wanted to yeah it, it was all facade right and it's almost like they are aware of it yeah which makes it even worse right yeah it was all a facade and then in 2006, I lost my youngest son to stillbirth at 37 weeks. Oh my God. So sorry. Thank you. And I was diagnosed with postpartum psychosis. And 
I begged her, begged and pleaded for her to take me to the mental health hospital. I, I was seeing things. I was hearing things. I, I, I didn't know that, you know, what was going on. And I begged her, please take me and admit me. She said, no, you still have other children that you have to take care of. You know, and I was denied. How did you crawl out of that? I didn't. It took me years to finally overcome unmedicated. It took me years. I would still have like really bad panic attacks. Right. And I could feel like the weight of him on my arms. And if I saw a newborn baby at the store, I would just absolutely lose my mind. Right. The grief must have been insurmountable. Oh, it was awful. And I, and I begged, begged her to please watch my kids so I could please go to the hospital. And I was told no, that I still had other kids I had to take care of. It's so extra cruel to make someone experience that completely unmedicated. And like to make somebody go through that without any kind of mental support like that is just a whole other level of cruelty, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then she would make these nasty little comments along the way, like, if you don't lose some weight, you'll never keep a man. And I only weighed about 140 pounds. Like she would project her insecurities onto me. Right. So all this time I'm thinking that there's something wrong with me. Right. And so one day I'm at her house and she had asked me to go to McDonald's and to please get her a double quarter pounder meal from McDonald's. My mom was a diabetic and I said, no, I'm not going to enable you. And I started standing up to her and I said, she kicked me out of the house. And she literally took my son's urn and threw it at me. And her exact words were, and take your dead brat with you. <gasps> oh my God, Lydia. I mean, the hate that would just spew from her mouth. I just words for that. And, and that it, is like, evil. That's just pure evil. Pure evil. And like, I always, and I always try to think about the ways that I talk to my children because our inner monologue in our head as adults is often mirrored by what we heard our parents say. Oh, absolutely. You know, so if you grew up with a, a screaming parent who was always saying negative things to you, that's what happens in your brain as an adult when you think about trying something new or standing up for yourself or whatever. So if you had someone who was positive and happy, like you have such a... a easier battle as an adult to try and succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And like you being raised by this absolute demon mm -hmm. has to have some major lasting effects on what it sounds like inside your head. And I am so sorry for that. As an adult, I never once heard her say I'm proud of you. I went to college to study human sociology and abnormal psych. I wanted, I wanted to work with the mentally ill. And she kept telling me, there's no money in that. You'll, you'll never do any good. And so I dropped out. And I regret that every day because I ended up taking a completely different career path. And here I am at 41 years old and my back is riddled with arthritis from my career choice. I'm, I'm almost disabled. I have bone spurs in my back. I, ha I have to go later this month to get tested for RA because, you know, had she been like, you know what, go for it, do it. I'm proud of you. Let's see if you, you know, let, let's see how far you can go. I bet you anything, my body wouldn't be broke down. Well, there's also aspects of, I don't know if you've ever heard of or read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, uh -uh. but there's a really great book and it talks about how people with trauma have such higher rates of physical 
ailment Mm -hmm. because your body will hold that trauma in and cause chronic pain, like whether it's through arthritis or through other areas. And there's, there's science that backs that up and explains why that is. But most people with high levels of trauma have chronic pain as well. Um, There's a really good podcast about that too. And going to try to think of the name of it. If I don't remember it, I'll link it in the show notes, but read that book. I think you would really find some, some good stuff in there. The body keeps the score is the name of it. I will look that up. Absolutely. And so the day my mom died, I didn't know how to feel. I was sad. I was hurt and I was lost because I didn't know what I was going to do. My mom literally penciled out my entire life. I was 33. My, I lived to please my mother. I dressed the way that I was quote unquote supposed to dress. I spoke the way I was supposed to speak. I behaved the way that I thought would please her. And so when she died, I was lost. I bet. I was like, what do I do? You probably thought that was normal too, like as far as a parent child situation. Absolutely, I thought it was normal. I didn't realize that any of this was toxic until I went to therapy. And they told me that all of it was toxic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had to let my mom go. And I realized very quickly that I have a lot of hatred for my mother. And I'm very jealous of what could have been. Yeah. There's a huge grief process of that, of like, I would imagine of not only like, it's not even the loss of the person. It's the loss of the mother that you deserved that you never got to have. Absolutely. And you know, this woman was my Girl Scout troop leader. It was that whole facade of I'm, I'm the good woman, but behind closed doors, it was abuse. It was degrading belittlement. It was anything and everything you could think of to just knock me down. Every peg she could possibly knock me down. Were you ever able to reconnect with your father? Um, I tried as an adult. I tried and it didn't, it didn't pan out very well. I remember I went to his mother's funeral and my mom had a fit. My mom's exact words were, why do you want to go there? Those people don't want you. And when I went there, I met my brother, one of my brothers, and all these people were like, oh my God, you're the baby. We knew about you and we never got to meet you. I had family that wanted me. Right. And I was accepted. Finally. Yeah, it felt so good. My brother and I became so close. Good. I got to meet my grandma twice before she passed away and she was really nice to me. I'm named after her. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. My my dad, I tried to I tried to connect with him, but the altar came out a lot and it was hard to get past him to get to my real dad. Right. I don't know. Um, but I had a man that raised me. My mom dated somebody from the time I was 16 until she passed away. Weird story is he still lives with me now that my mom passed away and I consider him my dad and He felt really bad for me, you know, because he saw the things that my mom would do to me. And he used to tell my mom, like, be easy on her. Why, you know, why are you doing this? And my mom be like, she deserves it. If she would just behave, well, maybe if you would just ask me what's going on. If you, if you would just ask me, why are you acting out? All she had to do is ask and everything would have came out in the open. Right. Mm -hmm. But she, she couldn't be bothered. Well, I'm glad she's gone. Me too. And I'm glad that that happened at a time where you were young enough to be able to start reclaiming your life and making it what you want. Absolutely. And I hate it though, because 
my oldest son and I have a really strained relationship because my mom babied him so much. Right, right. I don't know how to how to word it. She pinned us against one another. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if I would say no, he'd run straight to her. Right. You know, he felt like he didn't have to listen to me. And so, you know, like he hated me for a long time. Well, that's what she instilled in him from the get go. Absolutely. You know, she wanted that to be her baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even my sister's children, they resent my son, you know, because my mom spoiled him. My mom favored him. And I don't favor any of my children. Right. You know, my mom did. My mom favored children, just like she favored my sister over me. And we don't we don't do that. We don't favor children. Right. No. Yeah. You, you shouldn't. It's, it's, it's awful. How have you healed? What's your healing been like? I had to learn to let her go. I had to learn how to reparent my children. I parented my children with a lot of anger and yelling, which is how I was parented. Right. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And so I have apologized to my children and I have done anything and everything in my power to make sure that they know that they are loved, they are appreciated, that I am so sorry for anything that I've ever done to them. And I feel bad. I, as a person, try to make sure that everybody around me knows that I love them, whether or not they know me. Every day on my Facebook, I tell everybody, I love you and I hope you have a good day. It doesn't matter if I know you or not. Right. I don't have to hide behind a facade. There's no ulterior motives. I, I just want to love you because I have so much love that I wanted to have as a little girl. Yeah. I want to give that to somebody. So do you like just only wear pants now? I only wear pants. I have one dress. I have the most low cut blouse. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> My husband tells me I have hoochie mama shorts. Good. I had to wear the ugliest culottes you've ever seen in your life. And you remember those brown and black saddle shoes? Mm-hmm. They were hideous. I had to wear those ugly things. Oh, and the frilly panties. You remember frilly panties? I had to wear those ugly things to church. Whew. Oh, they were itchy. They were the worst. Who needs frilly panties? Right. And I and I will not step foot inside of a church. Right. Um, I've gone completely the opposite end. I am leaning. I lean more towards Buddhism and humanitarianism. It's yeah. amazing. I I I mean I I don't judge. I I don't have to hide behind a church to justify me being evil. Right. Right. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like legally changing your name to Jezebel and just like owning it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should see my face. You should see my Facebook cover photo. It it says heathens only. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that you've been able to build this life that you love. And I think you and I had been talking earlier about how like, different your house is than your mom's. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. My mom growing up, my mom was a hoarder and nobody was ever allowed in my house. My mom, my mom kept the door shut. I remember if anybody would knock on the door, my mom would be like, don't let any, her exact words were, don't let anybody in my dirty house. And now as an adult, my front door is wide open 
for anybody to, for literally anybody to see my front door stays open and it drives my husband insane <laughs> and I love it. I, I can't explain it. It feels good. It feels really good. Like when my mom was still alive, right before she passed away, they literally had to order a roll off dumpster to clean her house out. Mm. And when I lived with my mom, my, okay, so I grew up in a trailer and my mom used to blame the hoard on me. And so then my mom moved into a 55 and older community into a condo. So who did you have to blame the hoard on then? Right. right. When I moved, when I moved out and you still had to have this roll off dumpster. Come on, lady. Like it was bad. My mom would have diabetic needles laying everywhere. You couldn't walk around her house barefoot because your socks would be black. It was, oh God, my mom would, uh, it was so bad. My mom would have used sanitary napkins on the bathroom sink. You, You could not. When my mom passed away, my sister and I went to her house. There was frozen meat. My mom was a hoarder of all things. She had frozen meat in her freezer that was five years old she had canned goods that were 12 years old i mean my mom was a hoarder of everything it was bad do you know where that came from i don't know i have no clue where that came from and now i have really bad ocd because of her and my sister had it as well my sister had really bad anxiety in OCD. I have the OCD and the rituals. I, I can't stand my floors being gritty. I can't walk around barefoot to this day, even in my own house, even though I know my house is clean. It, it's a trauma response. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I was made to clean the house, even though you know it did no good to clean the house. But I feel guilty if I'm not constantly cleaning something. You know, and it was from my mom. Mm-hmm. Ella is very much that way. Yes, very much. Constantly cleaning and everything is always like yeah. perfectly clean and in its place. Yeah. Yes. And I'm a big smell person. I have to like things have to smell a certain way mm-hmm. because my mom's health always dunk yeah. really bad. But I remember my mom always smelled really nice. She always smelled like cheer and downy and baby powder. My mom always smelled nice, but her house always smelled really bad. And it's like so sad that you have all that chaos going on in every aspect. Like your environment physically is chaotic. Your parent is chaotic. Like every, there's not a a place or a bit of calm like in any of that. Absolutely not. No wonder there's anxiety issues for your sister and OCD responses from you now. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. It's just a, it's a mess. It's a whole mess. But now I've gone through therapy. I've gotten medicated and I realized that life is wonderful. Yeah. There is no need to pe- for people to be walking around raw dog in life. Oh no, no. Get on some medication. Yes. <laughs> if you need medication, if you need therapy, like go to it. Like the water is so fine out here. Oh, it is lovely. It is amazing. Like, life is wonderful. It is what you make it. Like, I hear people complain all the time, like, I hate life. Why? Right. Why do you hate life? Life is, like, look, when I moved, I was homeless, jobless, no car, no money. I had nothing. And now I have a house. I have a brand new car. I had a job I was at for five years before I retired. I mean, I I literally pulled myself up by the bootstraps and I did the damn thing. Awesome. 
there is no need for anybody to sit in Waller. And I cannot stand some of it sits there and waller. But again, it's a trauma response. You know, you can't just sit there and waller. Right. I'm assuming your husband now is not the husband. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Good. Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. My husband. Oh, gosh. We, my first husband, we were married when I was 18 and he was 20. And he walked out when my youngest son was six months old. And my youngest son is now 21. And he has seen his dad all of three times. Probably better that way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I did a hell of a job raising him. And he'll tell you, I was the best mom and dad he's ever had. Aw. He's my best friend. It's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, I'm glad you found a happy, healthy relationship and you have a clean, happy house and <laughs> oh, yeah. comfortable, chaotic, free existence without that woman. Oh, I oh, it was awful. And like she sits in my living room. And I just kind of have her tucked back. Um, my sister had her in the closet, but my sister has passed away. My sister committed suicide last year. Mm, so sorry. I mean, I, I, I've been through hell and back. My sister had her in the closet and I'm like, well, I ain't got the heart to ashes, I'm assuming. Huh? <laughs> I'm sure that's what she means. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I have her in the living room. Is that like oh, the like, well, hotel situation? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> that would be so fucked. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I have her out there and she gets to watch me live my best life. I'm like, uh huh, bitch. Now look. Good. You ever just walk by and flip her off? Oh, oh, all, all the time. <laughs> All the time. I yell at her. Mm. Yeah, I tell, I, I, I have conversations with her. That's got to be therapeutic, though. Very. It is. Sure. It is. And I tell her, and I, and I tell her, I'm like, you know, if there is a hell, I hope there's a special place in it for you. Right. I, I really do. And I, and I tell her, I hope that you can see everything that you've done to me and how good I came out. Yeah, because I remember I had a dream once and it was so realistic. And she told me I didn't mean to die. And it really fucked with me there for a hot minute. But I was like, you know what? Never once did she say I'm sorry. Right. Not even in your dream. Not even in my dream. She could say I'm sorry. Just I didn't mean to die. Mm. And man, that's huge. Like none of us are perfect parents or perfect people, but like the difference an apology can make. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I know people who have struggled their whole life because they just want an apology from their parents that they are just never going to get. And it's like, it would, it would change the course of someone's life. Like, just like you said with your kids, like you didn't do everything the way that you would have liked to in retrospect, but just owning that and like, healing it by by taking responsibility and, and looking them in their eyes and apologizing oh yeah such is the difference like none of us are ever going to make all the right choices but i apologize to my kids all the time absolutely i lose my temper or i'm short with them i will you know get right down in their eyes and say i'm sorry i'm having a rough day i didn't mean to be short with you yeah and it's like you teach them that you're not infallible just because you're an adult right it makes all the difference Absolutely. We all make mistakes. And, and, you know, and that's one thing that I learned, like, I was, I was a crap parent. I was angry. I was, I was the yelly mom. I was the angry mom. I, I was my mom for a long time. You were a traumatized mom. Right. Yes. It's all you knew. Uh, yeah. And so then once I realized that I didn't want to be that mom anymore. And I'm like, you know what? 
my kids don't deserve that. I, I'm breaking this cycle. Good for you. And I absolutely told my kids, I was like, I'm so sorry. Please, please forgive me. I was like, you don't have to forgive me, but please forgive me. I, I need you guys to know I'm so sorry and I'll do whatever it takes. And I've done everything I can possibly do for them to know that they are loved. They are appreciated. I mean, we have banter back and forth. You know, like my mom used to make fun of me about my weight. And I mean, she would mean it too, but... You know, I, 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 I'll roast my kids. I mean, that's just, (laughs) but but as long as they know it's in good fun, you know, that's what makes all the difference. Absolutely. I would never do it though, to purposely hurt your feeling. Right. My house stays roasting. (laughs) All of us. My kids roast me just as much as I roast them. That's good fun. What advice, so finally, like what advice would you give to someone who has a toxic parent? It's okay to let them go. Mm-hmm. 100%. Absolutely. It's definitely okay to let them go. You'll feel a lot better. You can grieve them even though they're still there. Right. And you can love them from afar. Yep. And you'll feel better. Yeah. It's a common misconception that you have to, just because someone is a blood relation, they have a ticket into your life regardless of they treat you no it don't it doesn't work like that absolutely not definitely just because they're your mother just because they're your sister just because they're so and so does not give them the the right to treat you any old way it 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 doesn't work like that respect is a two-way street yeah that's right 100 percent. it's not how this works i know your mom didn't say it but i will tell you i am incredibly proud of you for being able to pull yourself out of that hole that you had been raised in and to be able to come out the other side and create such a beautiful happy life thank you and a lot of people can't do that sometimes it's just too difficult it's just too dark and they don't have the tools or the support or the ability to do that so it's something to be very very proud of absolutely thank you and I, and I guarantee you, there are too many people out there willing to listen. Yeah. They will help you. It, it, all you have to do is just start the conversation. That's right. Just say, hey, I need somebody to speak to. Yeah. And many people will listen. Yeah. Even like strangers, you know, like that you barely know. Um, I can't imagine someone that's, you know, on my Facebook friends list that I may not even really know in real life that if they messaged me and said, hey, I need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that I would say no. You know, like people will, even if you don't have that, sometimes it's easier for someone that doesn't even really know you or have any skin in the game to listen. But people want connection. Absolutely whether it's to talk or whether it's to listen, like that's what makes us human. Connecting with other people grows our humanity. So definitely find those people who will listen. And there's also a book about healing your inner child. And I've realized once I hit 40, I'm doing things that baby Lydia would like. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm healing baby Lydia. The other day I caught myself listening to Christmas music (laughs) and I'm like, you know what? Baby Lydia likes this. Yeah, right. Baby Lydia really likes this and it makes me happy. It's not hurting anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it makes little Lydia happy. That's amazing. That's not something, you know, that it it bothers anybody else, but it makes the little girl in me happy. Yeah. And And if I can help her and I can heal her, she'll be okay. That's right. Yeah. It's very important. It is. And like I... Everybody can make fun of me for this forever, but I watch uh, Teen Mom. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I started watching it. Here's my my disclaimer. I started watching it when I was on maternity leave with my daughter 10 years ago when I got so sucked into the story that I like have followed these girls for like a decade now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I swear this does tie in. On the last episode, one of the dads did ketamine therapy to start the inner child work and he let them film it. And it was really incredible, like how they did it. They had him on like the ketamine and for any of those who have, may have or have not recreationally or non-recreationally ever done <laughs> ketamine, <laughs> it's a very relaxing type situation, but they got him very relaxed and started talking to him about like visualizing his inner child. And they asked him like what age he saw and he was talking about the age he was abused. Mm -hmm. They walked him through this whole thing where like initially he was the child talking about the feelings he was experiencing, like what he was seeing in his head as that child. And then they turned him into the adult that he needed to be and had that adult go talk to that child and like say the things that the child had needed to hear at that time and like have the, the child tell the adult like how proud he was of like the life he has now like it was really incredible i was that very surprised incredible. i was very surprised that in, on teen mom they <laughs> got that deep and like showed that but he said when he came out of like the ketamine piece it really does rewire your brain uh-huh and he out like so much lighter like just having that conversation with himself did, you know like by mm-hmm. a therapist but like it's so important because if you don't heal that inner child that inner child will act out just like children do yes you know it will, it will wreak havoc on your life whether it is yes you'll throw a tantrum and not necessarily a tantrum like a tantrum it might be like shopping it might be drinking it might be whatever but it's like that child is like begging to be seen and heard and to get out you will you will seek validation or you throw an actual or you throw an actual tantrum tantrum. yes i had many of those in my 20s i know (laughs) i've seen it (laughs) yes i definitely saw it (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's really great that it was a big piece of insight to add um, from you that I think will help people if they're listening, like to really start to go down that path. Do you know what the name of the book was that you mentioned about healing the inner child? Dang it. It was something about healing your inner child. It, it like literally had that in the title. Okay. There's another good one. Um, I haven't personally read it, but my husband has um, that has to do with complex PTSD uh-huh. and especially in childhood. And it's called From Surviving to Thriving. And it has a lot to do with that inner child work too that he said was one of the best things he had read on the particular topic. Because CPTSD, I'm not sure if, if you are familiar, you probably are, but... Absolutely, I have it. Different than PTSD. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, different yeah. than PTSD in that like PTSD typically comes from one traumatic event. Like it's the kind soldiers often have from like something really traumatic happening at war um, Mm -hmm. versus complex PTSD that you have that's from years of trauma. So that's a really good book as well. And there's also another good book and you're going to think I'm crazy. Um, Jeanette McCurdy. It was I'm Glad My Mother's Dead. Oh, I yes. read that. I me too. So it was, good. It was very good. So good. It was so good. It really was. Yeah. Did you find the name of that book, Ella? I I googled some. It's not the same one I read. The one I read is like really old. It's like from the seventies and eighties or something. But this one is called Healing Your Inner Child by Natasha Levinger. Is that does that sound familiar? 
that's pro- it, 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 it's something like that and it's almost like a workbook it had like little things that you could work through yeah okay that yeah got it yep that's what it is yeah um my friend told me too and i have not seen this personally but there's a either a tiktoker or i think it's a youtuber called the shitty child fa- childhood fairy <laughs> 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 oh, and he said that she has a lot of really good um, like coping mechanisms and, and has done he's watched her a lot and has really been a fan. So that's another one that I've just heard of, but haven't seen personally. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Absolutely. Um, I really appreciate it. And I really hope that someone listening has taken something away or maybe given them a little bit of courage that they needed to walk away from someone that is just bringing negativity and hurting them over and over again. And I'm so sorry for that horrific experience, but I'm so happy to hear how you're doing now. It's really amazing. It's so amazing. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. If you want to support our show further, you can share our podcast with your friends, follow us on our socials at Pod, or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening.